This is Small Talk with 101 ESPN's Michelle Smallman. Hey, what's up? Welcome into episode 101 of Small Talk. I'm one of your hosts, Michelle Smallman. Our other host, Steve Cerruti, is here. And Cerruti, I'm glad that we finally turned the page into the next chapter of Small Talk because episode 100 was a beast to arrange and put together, but it was a really fun episode. Yeah, it took up all the space on my laptop when I was editing it, so I had to delete a bunch of stuff. But yes, it was quite the undertaking, but I think people liked it. It seemed to get a good amount of uh, reaction. I mean, Gold Jr. was great on the candy stuff, which by the way, the more people I've talked to, you shamed me for loving Raisinets. And I feel like now that I've talked to a bunch of people, including my friends, Gold Jr., other people, I think you're in the minority. Raisinets is a universally loved candy. You know what I'm starting to think, Steve, is that people felt so badly for you that your draft <laughs> was terrible that they're trying to prop you up. You know, they're trying to say something nice to be like, it wasn't that bad. It's the verbal pat on the back, Steve. Michelle, who takes the ultimate enjoyment in retweeting people who like, call me out on Twitter being like, Shruti's list was terrible. Michelle, retweet. I'm like, cool, whatever. You're glad I'm, not, you're glad I'm a team player. I have never been somebody that calls anybody out on Twitter. I hate tweets that shame people. But to think that people are so passionate and they they are logging onto Twitter to talk about how bad your draft was brings me so much joy that I had to retweet it. But you know what's crazy is I almost wonder if it's a local thing now or a regional thing because all of my friends, and listen, my friends will be the first people to tell you that they will make fun of me all the time. Our friendship is basically existing so we could all make fun of each other. So they're not just going to side with me because they're friends with me. But all of my friends think I won the candy draft. So I'm wondering if this is like a regional thing. You know, it may be a regional thing because a lot of my peeps here, Steve, my STL peeps have been like, how does Steve not know about Mambas? I've never heard of Mamba in my life. The only Mamba I know is Kobe, the Black Mamba. Okay, well, I'm going to send you a little care package and it's going to include Mambas because they're amazing and you need to try them. Fair. I'm all, Listen, I'm always open to trying new candy. But um, yeah, anyway, back to episode 100. Marv was great. It was great to get Marv, you know, in his normal stuff because he's just one of the funniest people that we know. And obviously closing it out with Priscilla was great for all the people that love the old school post-show pod days. So 101, here we go. Let's do something different. I don't, I, we're not going to change it up. We're still going to be ourselves, I guess, but it's uh, another chapter in the show. Well, if we're going to change it up, I think that we have to start here. Speaking of Rosillo, I had Rosillo come on episode 100 to essentially salvage our friendship because one of the things that we had discussed is, hey, Steve, I really am going to need you to watch some Cardinals baseball because I'm really excited that baseball is coming back. And I genuinely think if you gave baseball a try, you'd like it. I knew that there was going to be some resistance. So I thought, okay, I'm going to counterbalance this with Rosillo. We know Steve loves Ryan. They can kiki about the NBA or whatever it may be. And then maybe he'll forgive me a little bit. And you did tune in to your first Cardinals game, one of three. You still have two more that you need to deliver on. We'll get to that here in a second. We'll see. But you tuned in to my Fox Sports Midwest login. You got the local St. Louis broadcast. And you watched the Cardinals home opener versus the Pirates. So I want to start here. What are your observations, Steve, of your first Cardinals baseball game? Yeah, and I did, for those that were, you know, riding along with me on the on the live tweet session, I had a couple adult beverages. Starting out, I had a great time. We turned, I was kind of dreading it all day, to be honest with you, because I was like, <laughs> I'm going to be so bored. Maddie's like, do we really have to do this? I'm like, yes, we have to. Michelle really cares about this. We have to do this. Because we were at the Cape oh. as well. Uh, and I was sending you tweets all day of Cardinals hype video saying, <laughs> yes. let's go. <laughs> yeah, Colton Wong, different different facts. You sent me a Colton Wong in a, like a three-piece suit yesterday, which was interesting <laughs> as well. Being like, look at how well-dressed he is. I'm like, I know, I already like Colton Wong. It's okay. But okay. I was sort of dreading it all day. But by the time I sat down, it was like, what, I think 8 o'clock Eastern time. I had a beverage to my side. I'm sitting reclined in the chair. I was like, all right, I'm ready to do this. It's been a while. I'm excited for some baseball. Why not? Uh, nothing else is going on. So... 
the first like inning or so, I was pretty into it. Like, I'm like, this is cool. I get it. It was actually, the game was flying by too, which was flying. great. You had said that because you were like, eh, yeah, because you no know, fans and all, and all the things that are going on, maybe it'll fly by. And it did fly by. There were a couple home runs early, but I will say the problem is, as I said, the first couple innings, I was really invested by the fourth or fifth inning. I was mentally checked out super, super bored. And I, I would say innings four through eight, I was completely checked out on. I was on Twitter. I was doing different things. I wasn't really paying as much attention. You were still like hitting me up with things that were happening. And I was like, yeah, sure. That was totally great. Oh my God, I missed that. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah, but, I, I think I texted you, Jack Flaherty is dealing. And you're like, yeah. Yeah, cool. <laughs> dealing. Yeah, totally, totally. And, uh, but here's the thing is that once the ninth inning came around, because the Cardinals were up, I think, was it like 5-2 or something? Yes, correct. I what the exact score was. You're and right. then the Pirates got a couple runs to come back. And, and I got really invested in the end because I just didn't want that thing to go an extra inning. So the last <laughs> inning, I was locked in because I was like, this thing cannot go to extras. I do not want to spend any extra time watching this game. I think my favorite text from you the entire night, I texted you around the seventh inning stretch and I said, how great is this? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you were expecting <laughs> to be like, mark, great. Exclamation point. <laughs> yeah. I thought you were gonna be like, you know what, Michelle? I actually am enjoying it a lot more than I thought I would. And your response was, extra innings would be devastating. <laughs> <laughs> which, I, which I then tweeted out too. And people did seem to like that. But, and we didn't get extras. <laughs> so we got, the, we got nine innings. It went by kind of fast. I enjoyed it. Here's the problem though, Michelle. I didn't have a miserable time. I wouldn't want to do it again every night. And that's the problem is that 162 times, I don't want to do that every day. What the NFL and basketball and soccer have sort of perfected, soccer has perfected it because their games are two hours a year and year out. But it's like a once or twice a week affair where you can look forward to this game and you say, okay, I'm going to clear my schedule for you know Saturday morning or whatever if you're watching EPL or like a Thursday night NBA game or something. You can clear your schedule out for that, right? But baseball, every single day, of watching nine innings. I don't know how people do it. I'm not even trying to be a dick here. I'm not trying to be a baseball hater. I just can't do it. So maybe once a week I could watch a baseball game, but there's no way I'd be able to lock in for 162 or even 60 now with the restart. It's a big investment. It really is. But I think the cool thing about that investment is that the story changes every day. And I think here was my fatal flaw. I knew that I could get you on board liking one player. That was the hook. I needed you to have an emotional investment. But then I thought, okay, as the game was progressing, I'm like, I wish he knew more about Jack Flaherty. I wish he knew why this closing situation is that much more stressful for Cardinals fans because Kim, the closer, has- Didn't do a great job. Yeah, didn't do a great job. (laughs) It was his very first time closing ever. In 12 years in the Korean baseball league, he was a starting pitcher and the Cardinals made a decision to put him as the closer. So I started thinking if Steve knew all these different storylines, he might be more invested. But I really, really put a lot of stock in you liking Colton Wong and then realized that that new found love wasn't enough to carry you through nine innings. Well, not only that, but he was hurt, I believe. They mentioned it in the broadcast that he was had some lingering issue, right, too. So he might not have been 100% because I don't think he had a great game, but it doesn't matter. Well, he almost had an inside the park home run. Oh, that's right. He got thrown. But I like the aggressiveness, getting thrown out at home. Uh, that's I, right. like, I like going for I it. I knew you would love that. I was like, Steve's going to appreciate that he went for it. But here's maybe the most interesting thing from the game is that Colton Wong was not the guy that I was most interested in or that I was like, wow, this guy looks cool as hell. Matt Carpenter. You <laughs> didn't tell me anything about this guy. Elite beard. He doesn't wear batting gloves. He's a DH. That guy instantly, by looks alone, became my favorite Cardinals player. 
Okay. Well, you have to understand the DH is new to the National League, so he was not a DH before. Yes, he never wears batting gloves. Yes, when I was thinking about Cardinals you may like, I thought you might really enjoy Matt Carpenter, but he had kind of a down year. Well, not kind of. He had a down year last year, and there was a lot of questions surrounding will he be able to rebound this year, and while Colton Wong gold glove last year, right? I knew that he was going to come out and have a great year. So I couldn't have pitched Matt Carpenter to you, even though I have so many Matt Carpenter fun facts that I know you're going to jump right on and really enjoy not knowing if he was going to come out and deliver. Yeah, he looks like he could be like the third member of the Black Keys or something or some like indie rock group with that beard. He kind of looks like the lead singer of uh, Dashboard Confessional now. I was into that guy. He's a cool looking dude. You don't see many baseball players. By the way, I love the no batting gloves thing. That is the most badass move you could do. Just get up there and just not wear batting gloves. That's awesome. Do you want two quick Mac Carpenter fun facts? Yeah, I do. I need. Okay. I want to know more about this guy. Okay, so the biggest negative towards Matt Carpenter, like I said, he had a down last year. as i'm looking at you with a dark beard and you're like yes i like his aesthetic the big knock on him sometimes and i say knock with air quotes is that he works too hard okay i try too hard he's first guy in last guy out he will literally work himself into an injury because he cares that much he's that invested which of course is awesome people love that and then in 2018 he had a great great stretch mvp type run and people were like what can we attribute this run to and he's like the salsa so adam wainwright cardinal starting pitcher built a garden for matt carpenter and he and his wife started making salsa from the vegetables in their garden and then he was eating this salsa every day like on his eggs and stuff before the games and he went on this insane run so everybody was saying it's got to be the salsa it's got to be the salsa so he started making big vats of this salsa for his teammates salsa guy putting them in little individual containers and bringing them into the clubhouse so everybody could enjoy the salsa. And it became such a thing in St. Louis. Everybody was all in on the salsa that he and his wife made their own salsa and it's now sold at a local grocery store here in St. Louis. And I've had it. It's called Matt Carpenter's Bueno Mojo Salsa. And it is actually outstanding. It is I'm, very good. I'm pro salsa guy, pro Mexican food of all kinds. So I'm, I'm definitely into that. But here's what confused me too, though. Wasn't there a pitcher named Matt Carpenter on the Cardinals back oh, in the day? No, 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 no. I can't believe you don't know this. It was Chris Carpenter. Chris he's Carpenter. My, he's my favorite Cardinal of all time. Okay. I got confused. I was like, wait, I knew there was a car- famous Carpenter on the Cardinals, but he didn't look like that the last time I checked, the last time I'd watched the baseball game. No, he's a huge, scary starting pitcher with tattoos. And he's retired. Yes, he is retired. We could get into Chris Carpenter if you want. I could talk Chris Carpenter all day. But Chris Carpenter's nickname is Carp. And so when Matt Carpenter came up, some people on the team call him Carp. We in local radio started calling him Marp, like Matt Carpenter. And it kind of stuck. It's very fun to say. So we refer to him as Marp. Well, he's now, I think, my new favorite Cardinals player. So sorry, Colton Wong, but he didn't win my heart. It was love at first sight, really, with me and Matt Carpenter, to be honest with you. Wow. So I was like the Patty Stanger Million Dollar Matchmaker and gave you all of these reasons why you should love Colton Wong. And you were like, yeah, I want the guy with the yacht. I'm going to go with what I think is going to be the best fit for me from a lifestyle standpoint. And then you just laid your eyes on somebody else and you couldn't help it. Chemistry is a weird thing, Steve. It's kind of like in Love is Blind with Jessica and Mark it was forced upon me and I felt bad, but it just never felt like it was a fit from the start. And it felt like it was more of a natural fit with Matt Carpenter. I just, like, as I mentioned, the beard was instantly there. I was instantly like, this guy looks super cool. DH love that. As you mentioned, he's super hardworking. So your matchmaking skills while they were okay, it just wasn't a perfect fit. 
Uh, Matt Carpenter, by the way, his dad is also an outstanding baseball coach. So he's the son of a coach. You got to love that. And he's from Texas. Okay. Speaking of coaches, though, this one was amazing. One of my observations. Stumpy Clap. STD or, or Cardinals first base coach? Who knows? Stubby, I don't know. Stumpy <laughs> Clap. Stumpy Clap. Not Stumpy. Stumpy Clap. Either way. Stumpy Clap. STD or Cardinals first base coach? <laughs> I don't know. It's an intense name. Probably the most unique name you've ever heard in sports, right? When I heard that, I immediately looked it up and I'm like, this can't, this can't be true. What's this guy's name? Stubby is probably the worst nickname you could possibly give to someone, right? Stubby. Imagine no, someone just that called can't you Stubby. be the worst. That cannot be the worst. Let well, there's definitely up. more degrading things, but of real nicknames, Stubby is a tough one. Oh, remember Muscle Hamster, Doug Martin? That's way worse than Stubby. No, Muscle Hamster was awesome. Stubby? Imagine if I started calling you Stubby Smallman. <laughs> that would be, that's the worst way to describe someone is Stubby. You know, I saw this guy, you interested in him, like, whatever. You know, how would you describe him? Ah, he's stubby. That's awful. You know he's Canadian, by the way. Stubby Clap? Yeah. I mean, I guess Clap. I mean, it's a cool last name. What's his actual name? I don't even, I, I forget what his actual name is. His first name is Richard Keith. But this is a nickname that was passed down from his father and his grandfather. It's a family nickname. That's so cool. It's cooler, but it's still, imagine if you were trying to meet girls and they're like, yeah, this is my friend Stubby. Would you ever be interested in someone whose name was Stubby? No matter how hot they were. Yeah, why not? Mm, I have my doubts. Would you call him Stub as a nickname to the nickname? Stub would be cooler than Stubby. So yes, I, if I was him, I'd want people to call me that. He does kind of look like a Stubby clap, so I guess the name sort of fits, but I don't know. Stubby is a bummer of a name. I think it's a very cool baseball nickname. Well, baseball, you know, what is it? Uh, oh, like Pokey Reese. Baseball names are so weird. You know, it's always so like weird. something very strange. Something from the 1920s. It's shoeless. What? What was it? Shoe, shoestring Jack, Shoeless Joe Jackson? I forget what the oh name is. Oh my God. Yes. It's Shoeless Joe Jackson, not but, Shoestring. But they're always, they're always these weird 1920s things that sound so antiquated, but I don't know. I guess that's baseball in a nutshell. Hockey nicknames are the best because it's just, yeah. you know, Sarutsi or yeah. like you just put a C Smallsy. on the end. Smallsy. <laughs> yeah. Smallsy. Sm I love Smallsy's game. You yeah. Know? Smallsy. Yeah. But Get your stick down on the ice. Yeah. <laughs> Smallsy plays hard through every shift. Yeah. 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 She's a real goon out there. <laughs> I love calling people goons. I want to call somebody a goon every day. I always like the, you know how British people call everyone else blokes? I always thought yeah. bloke for the longest time was like a degrading term. Bloke is just like a guy. I asked Liam, yeah, our former boss like, dad, who's British. Yeah. I was like, what is bloke? Is that like an idiot? What is it? He's like, no, it's just like a guy. Really? Bloke? Because I always heard people, oh, that bloke over there. And I always sounded like it was a negative term. No, just that bloke. But yes, I, I would say Goon's kind of like the guy who's super big and doesn't really understand how big he is and is clumsy and beats other people up. I yeah. don't think you want to be called Goon. No, you don't want to be called a Goon, certainly. But I just love that that's such a hockey thing. That guy's such a Goon. Yeah, that is true. The one other, by the way, observation that I had from the game, so many pitchers, like the percentage of pitchers that have long hair is insane. Why do all pitchers have awesome flow? I don't know if that's a post-quarantine thing because Good point. some pitchers have great flow, but a lot of them are nice and tight too. But I feel like you're right. The percentage of pitchers that I have seen with outstanding flow, now the baseball is back, has certainly gone up a tick. And I think that might be a quarantine thing. Maybe, but Cindergaard had it. Yeah. Um, Thor. The Pirates pitcher, I don't remember what his name was, but he had it. It just seems like all these pitchers, they're all super tall, lanky, and they have great flow. Maybe it's just part of their uniform. Maybe, maybe. I don't know. I don't hate it. As a hair connoisseur myself, especially of the man bun fame, I'm not opposed to guys with long hair. And you so can't really wear a bun if, you know, if you're wearing a hat every day. You can wear a low bun. You can wear a braid. Man braid? Nice. <laughs> <laughs> man braid. Awesome? Underrated.
<laughs> Steve, I begged you every day. I'd be like, is today the day that I have you braid your hair? And you were like, nope. Because <laughs> I think it was just a step too far. People at work were already looking at me like, who the hell is this guy? I think he's cool enough to wear a man bun. And if I had come in with my hair braided, I might have gotten fired on the spot. Or promoted. <laughs> or promoted. That's true. Good point. <laughs> yeah, it's a good point. Okay. Did you have any other observations? No, but listen, as I said, I didn't hate it as much as I thought I would. But the problem is I can't do it every day. Every day is tough. Okay. Two questions. Number one, will you be completing the deal? Will I get three games out of you? Yeah, I could watch another. Yeah, yeah. The next big game, let's give it some time here. And like, if there's a big game coming up, let me know and I'll watch that game. And then, I'll, and then I assume they're going to make the playoffs. So I'll watch a playoff game or something. We'll see if I did text you yesterday and say, hey. It's too soon. Started... <laughs> too soon. Like, Twins, really <laughs> potent, powerful lineup. Carlos Martinez making his return to the starting rotation. This is a big game. And you were, were literally were like, can't do it. Literally could not do it. I was busy. I was at my family's house. And you know, I wasn't going to be like, hey, guys, I got to watch the Cardinals game. Michelle told me. How about this, Steve? Next Friday, Cardinals-Cubs. Weekend night. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. Here's the thing too, Michelle, especially when there's 162, the first two months don't even matter. It doesn't matter. You have another four months left of the season. Once it gets towards the end, when we're towards like game 60 or so, and the Cardinals maybe need to start fighting for playoff spots or winning games to get into the playoffs, then I will watch my two games, I promise. And if you're, you know, if you're to be believed, they're going to be a playoff team. So I want to save one of my games for the playoffs as well. No, Steve, playoff are a bonus. No, there's no, 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 I don't care. I'm not giving any freebies out for you. This is no, there's no, there's no pro bono baseball watching for me. And by the way, by the, by the time we hit the week, I'm already 10% through the schedule. Every game counts for 2.7 games. Yeah, but mm, 10% is not that much. How about this? I'll cash in one of my games for Cardinals White Sox, which is going to be an, an intriguing game, but it's going to be at the Field of Dreams field. Yes. See, that's okay. cool. I would do that. Yeah. You do that. So that'll be number two. And then I'll save number three for a September game down the stretch. For a playoff game. That's it. <laughs> Deal. Okay. Final question for you on baseball, because I was really hoping that this would at least kind of light a spark under you, a little bit of a baseball spark. And it's clear that that didn't happen. But on a scale of one to 10, where are you at being a baseball guy right now? Uh, I'm going to try not to be rude. And I'm going to say two. We'll be honest then. I don't think I'm ever going to be a baseball guy again. I just don't because I don't want to invest every single night in watching this team. And, you know, there are other sports that have sort of taken the mantle away from baseball, which was the sport of my childhood. Unfortunately, I don't envision a scenario in which baseball is ever like a mainstay of my life again. Well, you know what? That's disappointing to hear. I still have two more Sorry. opportunities to hook you. But other positive news, Steve, St. Louis Blues hockey is back. So the I know Blues. You're big a huge, blues guy. You might not be a big Cardinals guy, but I know you're a big Blues guy. So big I at least got that. <laughs> if there's one thing that I'm less of than a baseball guy, it's a hockey guy. Can you name one Blues player? No, no. But they do have great sweaters. I'll say that. I think it's the best sweater in hockey. One of the great logos mm, in sports. Blackhawks are better, but it's a good one. It's definitely top 10. You think the Blackhawks are better? I think, they're, they, I think they have my favorite look in all of sports. Yes. Mm. I just like the red on the black and the colors. I think the Chief looks really cool. I just think it's a cool look. I hate the Blackhawks with the fiery passion. So that's offensive to me that you just said that, but whatever. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I gave you top 10. It's a top 10 sweater. It's a great sweater. Top three. Now I have to think about it. I mean, I obviously think it's number one. Who else is in the running? I don't even know. I love the Toronto Maple Leaf sweater. Good one. Classic. Really good one. Very classic. Yeah. The Blackhawks looks like trash. So have we seen I, the Kraken yet or no? 
Yeah. Have you not seen the Kraken logo and the sweater? It is I haven't seen the sweater. It's insanely cool. Let me look it up. I'll send it to you. Look it up on Twitter. I follow the Kraken on Twitter now. Great content they're churning out, by the way. I am very into the Kraken. I love the rollout. I loved the logo. The color of the sweater is amazing. A Kraken is such a sick mascot. I mean, it's a water beast, a mythical water beast that is a huge octopus that lies in wait below the surface of the sea. And then it comes and it cracks ships with just the flex of a tentacle. Yeah. Okay. I'm looking up the jersey now. Very cool. And I'm very pro mythical creature. So I am all in on the Kraken name. The only thing is, I told you this, it sounds a little bit arena football-y, like minor league baseball-y, but I love Kraken so much that I don't even care. It's, it's such a cool mythical creature. I love it too. Okay. Well, we'll give some more thought to Sir Rudy's top, top three 10 sweaters. sweaters. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. So we are going to play a game here in a second, but we do have two other things that we need to get to, both in the musical genre. So first of all, Steve, I want to present an amendment to you. Okay. I was listening to some tunes over the weekend, and I would like to make an amendment to my Sandy Jams playlist. Will you okay. allow it? Yeah. Well, I mean, what is it? I got to hear, hear what it is first. So I picked... Love Generation, Bob Sinclair. Terrible pick. Yep. I knew you hated it. So I thought you'd be okay with this, this line change here. We'll keep it with hockey, this line <laughs> yep. change. But I was thinking I made that pick because when I think of beach, I always think of spring break. And I think about my girlfriends and I think about us dancing at a club and having a great time. And so that song always brings me back to that time in my life. And then I heard this song, Steve, on my Spotify shuffle the other day. And I was like, duh, this, this is the ultimate, and I mean ultimate, Michelle Spring Break song. Okay. I'm talking Daddy Yankee. I'm talking Gasolina. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. Oh, but I don't know. Is that a beach song? It's hot out for sure, but I don't, know if I'm at the, <laughs> I don't know if I'm at the beach. First off, anything you could have suggested is better than Love Generation, Bob Sequoia. That's the single worst song. It brings the entire playlist down. So I'm in favor of moving that out for anything. Yeah, Gasolina, great song. Love Daddy Yankee. Big Daddy Yankee guy over here. But I don't know if I listen to it at the beach. Where would you listen to Gasolina if it's not at the beach? Like at a sweaty-ass club somewhere where you know, the dudes are sweating through white t-shirts. I don't know. Yeah, but it's in a beach setting. Yeah. Listen, I'm pro this because, as I mentioned, but this has more to do with, with Bob Sinclair than it does Gasolina. Okay, I'll give you one other option. I'll let you choose. Daddy Yankee Gasolina or Sean Paul Temperature. Oh, Sean Paul Temperature. <laughs> Sean Paul. Yeah, Sean Paul. Yeah, Sean Paul. <laughs> It's kind of like the Zac Efron show on Netflix, whereas I don't know if Sean Paul's good, but I listen to his music. That's how I feel about it. I think he just says his name a lot. Sean DePaul. And he says things that I don't even know. To this day, I don't even know what half of the things that he says are. So I was watching a show on HBO called I May Destroy You. Have you watched it? I have seen the picture on HBO, but I haven't watched it, no. So it's based in England, in London. And to your Sean Paul point, I can't understand what they're saying a lot of the time. I'm like, you're speaking English, but your cadence and your accent is such that I don't really know what you're saying. Have you watched Peaky Blinders? No, Steve. Well, no. one, you you should, because it's like one of the best shows on television. But two, a lot of people have to watch that show with subtitles because they can't understand the English language because it's just difficult, especially back in that time. I think it was what the, it was like turn of the century. Actually, no, it was after World War One. Oh, great. A war show that I have to read. Sounds awesome. It, no, no, it's not a war show. It's a great show. Killian Murphy, who is one of my favorite actors of all time, 
just incredible dude. Tom Hardy's in it. Incredible cast. It's a top five show in Saruby's list of anything if I'm making shows. But it's hard to understand British people. Scottish people are really tough to understand too. But British people, like especially old school British accents, you got to put the subtitles on. I get it. You do. So Sean Paul may be great. We just don't know. I don't know. But I've listened to his music, so I guess it is great. He's got me. He's got me hooked. But what's the other song? Is it just Give Me the, give me the Light? What is it called? See, I don't, even know what this, I don't even know what he's saying. But it's the one with Beyonce. That's Baby Boy. That's oh, Baby Boy. Song. That's what I'm thinking of. Okay. That's a good song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good call. Get Busy. Get, oh, that's, that's Get. probably his biggest banger. Speaking of early 2000s music, Steve, I'm going Usher on you. It's time for a confession. Love it. Great album. Great album. Burn, so good. Mm -hmm. Confessions Part 2, one of the great songs of all time. Yep. Caught Up, great song. Great song. Gosh. Yeah. Shout out Usher. No lie. Okay, but I am going Confession on you. And I'm nervous to admit this, but I'm an honest girl. Integrity is very important to me. I feel like this is a trust tree. This is a feeling circle. Yeah. I can share things with you and that you won't judge me completely, <laughs> even though that's what we do on this podcast. It's literally hours of judgment. But Steve, I have to tell you, I think I love Folklore. Yes. The new album by Taylor Swift. I think I love it. Not just like it, not tolerate it. I think I love it. Capital L. Is this just because she shouts out St. Louis and Cardigan? It's not Cardigan. It's Last Great American Dynasty. And no, but that certainly did help her case. I was going to say, as soon as I heard that, I thought of you um, because I'm like, that's random. And you're the, obviously the first person I think of when I think of St. Louis. But that's actually huge news because you are like noted Taylor Swift hater. I have had many an argument trying to sway you over the years about why. And again, I don't actually love new Taylor. I like the country stuff, even though I'm not a big country guy. I haven't loved the mm -hmm. new poppy stuff, but I'm with you on this one. This album is incredible. And I, the way I would describe it is it's like her first real adult album. Reputation, didn't like it at all. Though she was trying too hard. This thing, front to back, one through 16. I don't know if I skipped many songs. So here's my take. This is a big admission for me. This I is. Mean, I, I can't believe it. I'm proud of you. Here's the thing. Steve, you know I'm all about women supporting women. I didn't want to dislike Taylor. I never wanted to dislike Taylor. I just never really found a reason to like her. I didn't really like her music. It just seemed like it was the same shtick over and over and over again. Every song sounded the same. It was the same theme with every song. She just projected this unattainable image of kind of this good girl perfection to me. And it just felt so copy paste, copy paste. And I didn't like that. I like flaws. I think the flaws are what make people interesting. I like a little crazy now and then. I like a little rebellion now and then. But right? here's where you make the mistake. If you really listen to all of her songs, she's taking the blame in a lot of songs. She does that in this album too, but it's not yes. always, oh, you know, screw this guy. He screwed me over. No, you're absolutely right. I had never done the deep tracks on any Taylor album. It was just what I was hearing on the radio or what I was hearing in the pop culture sphere. So you're probably right on that. But after I watched the documentary on Taylor Swift, remember I came into the pod and I said, listen, this was the big knock I had against her and she addressed it. And I felt badly for her because she was part of this machine, this corporate machine that wanted her to be this way because it helped her sell all these albums. And she felt like she had the disease to please and had to kind of be this way so that everybody would like her. And that 
documentary to me was kind of the first crack in her consciousness about, I'm just going to be me and say what I want. And people can kind of take it or leave it, which I respected. I really mm -hmm. did. And she shared a lot of aspects of herself in that documentary that I didn't, I didn't know about her and appreciated. So I went into this album saying, okay, I'm going to give it a shot, like a true, true shot. And my friend JD who is the biggest Taylor Swift fan in the entire world. The way that I think of Frank Ocean is the way he thinks of Taylor Swift, texted me and was like, folklore is a triumph. It is a triumph. I would agree. I and would so agree. I was like, all right, this was Cardinals opening day. I was well, like, I- You were pissed about that. Let's be I honest. You, you were texting me pissed. like, oh, she's trying to steal the show of baseball, which by the way, <laughs> as, I, as I texted you, the Venn diagram of people that are really super into baseball and really super Taylor Swift fans, those are just two circles, okay? Those don't overlap at all. See, I love baseball. I don't really love Taylor Swift. It just felt like a personal attack on it me. It did. I, like, I, this I, is I know. baseball's day. Let baseball have its return, Taylor, okay? Don't make this day all about you. <laughs> yeah. All okay, right? fair. I was pissed. I was pissed, Steve. But you know what? I got over it because we had Cardinals opening day. We had this broadcast at Ballpark Village. I was looking into the stadium. It's a holiday in St. Louis, even if we didn't get to celebrate it in the manner in which we would have loved to. I was staying at a hotel downtown before I went to the game. And I had some downtime. I was in a great mood. And I was like, all right, you know what? I'm going to put this on now because even if I don't like it, it's not going to bring me down. I'm not going to be mad. I wasted this time. And I put it on and I listened to the first song and I was like, not bad. And I got into the second song and I was like, wait, this is really good. And then I got into the Bonnie Vare song and I was like, this could be one of the greatest songs I've ever heard in my entire life. And then it continued on and I listened to the whole album from start to finish. And I was like, I yes. enjoyed that. This was amazing. I texted Michael Jr., big Taylor Swift guy. We had just talked about it on the pod. I didn't because none of us knew this was even happening. We were referring to her last album, which I forget what the title was even, but we didn't know this album was coming out. And I had mentioned that, yeah, me and Gold Jr. have been talking about Taylor Swift in the past. That's right. So I knew that he would be all in on this. And he said something along the lines of, it sounds like an album written by someone in their 30s. Mm -hmm. And I said, I listened to that. And I think a piece of art, which is exactly what I think it is. Yes, you heard it here first. Folklore is a piece of art. It is that good. And if you haven't listened to it, what are you doing? Again, I cannot believe these words are coming this out is of my mouth. But I'm being <laughs> yeah. honest. It's that good. I feel like art makes you feel things, right? Art takes you to a different place mentally. And when I listened to that album, I mentally was in a cabin, in the woods, perhaps in Montana, there's a snowstorm outside, a fire is going, I'm cooking a dinner, I'm drinking some Pinot Noir with somebody that I love. That's what that album felt like for me. And for that album, a Taylor Swift album, to make me feel that way, JD is right, it is a triumph. Well, that's, that's the Boney Bear effect of that. Because I mean, I think oh, he, yeah, I believe he had, not only did he feature on one of the songs, but you're right, Exile is instant classic, instant Amazing. classic. Amazing. Um, but I believe he's worked on, he worked and helped produce most of the other uh, songs on the album. And it very much had a Boney Bear feel to it. By the way, Boney Bear, overrated, underrated, properly rated. Let's do the old like Rosillo show deal because I think he's a more mainstream than people want to admit. He's actually pretty mainstream now. Like most people know who Boney Bear is. Sure, but other than Holstein, how many Boney Bear songs can the average person name? Skinny Love would be the first song I would go to. Rough Two, Restacks, also a great song. I loved his most recent album. Well, I'm not asking how many you can name, Steve. I'm asking if I was but, talking to somebody who was like, oh, I love Boney Bear. Just like you with the blues, right? I'm like, can you name one blues player? You're like, nope. Yeah, I think you could be mainstream with people not knowing your catalog. Boney Bear, the person and his sound 
is kind of mainstream now, which is surprising to me. I have friends that are not artsy whatsoever and they know who Boney Bear is. And I always just assumed he was a very emo artsy artist that people like you and I, I'm not trying to like, you know, put us in a box here, but people like you and I would like. And it's like, wow, more people actually know who Boney Bear is. And you become super mainstream when you go on a Taylor Swift album. For sure. You know, Bon Iver is mainstream when people aren't calling him Bon Iver. Bon Iver, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he's already done a bunch of stuff with Kanye, obviously. So he's been out there and his music is appreciated by people who love music. But I didn't realize he had that kind of reach. And you're right, Exile, unbelievable song. And the thing I think about about this album, Gold Jr. hit, it, hit the nail on the head. When I said it's, it's an adult album, it's like her first adult album. He's her, it sounds like a 30-year-old made it. It's 100% right. Because even when she tra- made the transition from being like the country music superstar that she was and very innocent and like this teen who's just on a stool with a guitar, playing an acoustic guitar. And then she transitioned to like reputation and being like this woman and being powerful. I still kind of felt like it was not fake, but it was, it, was, it was childish. It was still very childish, even though she was trying to be this grown woman. And this is the first album that I listened to and I go, I feel like I will listen to this for the rest of my life and feel like I'm an adult listening to it. Like when I listen to old Taylor Swift, you still feel like a kid. There's some nostalgia factor to it, right? This album, I can listen to in my 30s, my 40s, my 50s, and still have, it, have the same feel about it. And you're right. For this album to put you in a place, to put you in a log cabin, as you said, with a fire this is the first album where she's really gone out on a limb and done something completely different than she's ever done. Something that's really hard to do because I think even making the transition from country star to pop star, it's hard. Listen, what she does is hard. Writing songs is hard, but this album is a completely different genre for her. And I just really respect the fact that she took a chance on a lot of this stuff. The sound is very, very different. It's much more to my liking. And the personal things that she has in a lot of these, like peace is the second to last song on the entire album is a top five Taylor Swift song for me, period. I love that song. It talks about her vulnerability with, I guess, whoever her boyfriend is now, I don't even know his name, but talking about whether or not she could ever find peace with this guy because of how crazy and hectic her life is. Like she's opening up about how difficult it is to be Taylor Swift and kind of what she did in the documentary, but it was even more impactful for me to hear it in that song. I give it at least a nine out of 10. Okay. I'm not ready to grade it just yet because I want to go through my favorite songs with you. Is that okay? okay. All right. I'm going to go from... Back to front, because my favorites are front-loaded. I loved Betty. I thought Betty, Betty was a great... Great song. Great song. Did you know, by the way, I had, Maddie told me this. Apparently, the rumor is, and I don't know if this has been confirmed, that that's about Blake Lively and Ryan Reynolds' kids. Not about them, but he uses all three of their names, and they revealed that their most recent kids, the daughter, her name is Betty. That was the first time anybody knew her name was Betty because of this song. So yes, they have three kids and they mentioned the other two's name, Inez and James. And so everyone is thinking that's an Easter egg that the third child's name is Betty because it has it, not been released yet. Okay, so it's not confirmed, that's still not rumored. Not confirmed, okay. still rumored. Also imagine how sick that is, that your circle is so tight that you've had a kid for however many months and people still don't know what your kid's name is. Very, very cool. I'm probably gonna do that when I have a kid too, but we just won't give it a name. We'll just call it, you know, whatever for the time being until I decide on one. But you're gonna have a kid and I'm gonna be like, hey, Steve, what's your kid's name? I wanna send a monogram towel and you're gonna be like, don't worry about it. No. <laughs> My family has grown up, and this is a little bit different, but has grown up with several different cats, all with the name Gato. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Wait, yeah. can you name your child Gato? I would love for you <laughs> no. to have a son named Gato Saruti. I'm not artsy enough to be able to pull that off, Michelle. Actually, you might be. That'd be pretty uh, cool. I don't think so. Question about Betty, though, because that's probably in my top five. It's the most classic Taylor Swift song of all of the songs on the album. It has kind of a poppy vibe to it. but Like a country poppy. I'm confused about what it's about. So if, if you know, let me know, or the listeners let, let me know for sure, because 
whose perspective is she talking about this from? Because she's talking about how she did something bad to Betty, but my, my wife was basically suggesting she could be writing this from the perspective of a guy. So here's Per Genius, which has the best breakdown of lyrics. Taylor uses Betty as a way to counter this long-lived ideology that boys will be boys and that they should not be held accountable for their actions. She expressed a similar frustration in her 2019 song, Miss Americana and the Heartbreak Prince. So yeah, I think it is based on that probably from the male perspective. That's, but I haven't that's what I, think of a deep dive yet. Yeah, anyway, great song, really great song. Okay, so loved Betty, love August. August is good, yep. Love Mirrorball. Hit or miss for me. Uh, yeah, it's a good song, but it's not, I don't know if it'd be my top five. Love Mirrorball. Okay, we mentioned Exile, obviously, <laughs> 10 of 10 song, amazing song. But perhaps my favorite song, and no, it's not just because Rebecca West Harkness is from St. Louis, is The Last Great American Dynasty. And here's why. Have you read about that song at all? So I was listening to this on the way back. We listened to it a few times on the way back from, uh, from the Cape. And is it about the woman that she bought her house from? Yes. Okay. So Taylor Swift bought this massive mansion in Rhode Island, which is in Newport. I actually, when I was in Newport, saw it because everybody pointed out, they're like, that's where Taylor Swift lives. Her security team is all over the beach and blah, blah, blah. All of these things about Taylor Swift. It was very much a noteworthy thing about Newport that that's where her house is. And when I listened to that song, not only is it great musically, I was enthralled by the lyrics. It was an incredible piece of storytelling, not only about the woman who owned the home and her place in American history, but about the parallels between her and Taylor, not only because she now owns the house, but because she's a single woman with money who is just existing in this world that's typically a stuffy upper crust world where a single woman does not exist and how if you don't follow their rules, you're considered crazy. And I just loved the story about Rebecca West Harkness, who is this wild, rich woman who's from St. Louis, goes to Newport. She marries the heir to the Standard Oil Company. He has a heart attack. And they had this big house in Newport that they had nicknamed Holiday House because they used to have all these parties there that were a little gauche, as Taylor likes to say. But after he dies, she just starts spending all of this money on basically whatever she wants. She owns a ballet company and she constructs this thing in the backyard so the practice out there. She becomes friends with Salvador Dali and she's playing <laughs> yeah, cards she with him at, at the house, which I loved when she died, by the way. She had her ashes put in a $250,000 urn that Salvador Dali created, which I thought was the most ultimate flex of all time. Yep. She gets in a beef with one of her neighbors. She then steals their dog and dies the dog Key Lime Green. And she filled her entire pool with Dom Perignon mm -hmm. and swam in it. She just sounds like an absolute legend who did whatever she wanted and did not care what anybody else thought. And because she didn't play by the rules, they called her crazy. And then here comes in Taylor and she doesn't follow the rules of the same community and they don't like her. And so the big theme is we had a, a great time ruining everything. We just did us and it's okay to do you. You don't have to play by the rules. By the way, have you seen the merch for this album too that she's been sending out to people? No. She's been sending people, like I saw like the Queer Eye guys got it, like a bunch of different people. They're cardigans with stars on the elbows. I think you would love the merch as well. And it's like a great way to promote the album too. And Cardigan is a song that I do really, really like. But that is funny about the last great American dynasty because I'm listening to it. And first, the thing that I noticed was St. Louis, but I had never heard of her. So did you know her growing up in St. Louis? Like, was she like a St. Louis legend? No, 
which is crazy because everyone in St. Louis knows essentially every piece of history about St. Yeah. Louis. It's just something that we do. We tend to know about the noteworthy people who are from our town. And I was like, how did I not know about this woman before? She is now my idol. Yeah, it's a really cool song. It's another one that's kind of not poppy, but it has the traditional, not traditional, but you could hear a little bit of the old school Taylor Swift in it. It's not quite the Boney Bear because I thought this album had real, obviously Boney Bear vibes, real Lana Del Rey vibes, real Casey Musgraves vibes. I had people tell me that it sounds like Maggie Rogers, which is all very much not what Taylor Swift sounds like. So the fact that you can get that many people comparing, you know, this album too is a pretty big testament to how talented she is. Is that your five, by the way? Because I think I have, I got to add a few here. Let's see. Is that five? Because I have Last Great American Dynasty, Exile, Mirrorball, August. And Betty. And Betty. Those are my five. I would just throw in, I love Betty. As I mentioned, Peace is probably my favorite song on the album. Illicit Affairs, great song. Really, really great song. My wife loves This Is Me Trying. And I kind of like Seven. It's a very weird sounding song. It's probably like the weirdly artsiest song on the album, but I don't know, for some reason, it's very catchy to me and I love it a lot. And I even like the one, the, the first song on the album is good too. That's kind of like a traditionally Taylor song. After like I listened to it the first time, I was like, wow, this is so extreme. And then the more I listened to it, I'm like, okay, there are hints of Taylor in here. Even though it's like, it doesn't sound like her traditional album, the more you listen to it, you realize that's a quintessential Taylor Swift theme there or beat there. It just kind of sounds like her. I also never thought she was that strong of a vocalist, and I thought her voice sounded amazing on this album. On the Bonnie Vare song, I thought her part was so beautiful. Mm-hmm. She just sounded incredible. I also love that she just released it. She didn't do this big production yep. through the label and all this. That she it's just very Beyonce it. of her, right? It's very Beyonce of her. But just how she was like, I made a piece of art that I truly love, and I just wanted to share it. And normally I would agonize over when to do this and have a tour and all this, but I just wanted to put it out there. I was like, I love that from you, Taylor. Now, we're recording this on a, a Wednesday. I believe, is this true? I think I saw it. She, isn't she doing a live concert? I mean, Steve, I'm not following her on Instagram. We're not to that level. You don't follow so her on Instagram? Why would I follow her on Instagram? Why, why would you not follow her on Instagram? What do you mean? <laughs> Up until like three days ago, I was not even a fan of any of her songs. Well, get on board. What are we doing here? Everyone follows Taylor Swift on Instagram. She's one of the most famous people in the world. I follow people that I don't necessarily like fully on Instagram. You follow people on Instagram that you don't like? Yeah. If I'm just like interested in keeping tabs, for sure. Like I follow, I don't know. Give me one person that you follow on Instagram that you don't like. Let me bring up my Instagram because I, I, I don't want to do this without giving you an exact example here. Hold on. I feel like I, I follow people on Twitter that I don't like, but that's because I need to follow them from a news perspective at, from work. But I feel like Instagram is a different feed for me. I curate it based on things I want to see. And if I don't like you, I'm not giving you the follow. And I don't know if Taylor and I are there yet. Folklore, amazing. I'm giving it a nine out of 10. In my life, there's really only two 10 out of 10 albums, Rumors, Fleetwood Mac, Channel Mm -hmm. Orange, Frank Ocean. But this is how much I enjoy Folklore. I'm giving it a nine out of 10. Or maybe Mm. an eight out of 10. Now I'm second guessing myself. I don't know. It's really good. It's really good. And the thing that I think is amazing about it is I like it a little more every time I listen to it. I agree. Uh, as I'm trying to find a person that I follow, that I don't like that I follow. And see, I don't want to like call people out here. That's the problem. I don't want to be like, oh, that, I don't want to be that, that guy. Trust me, there are people that I don't necessarily like that I still follow on Instagram to keep tabs on. Famous people. Oh, you're afraid that they're going to listen to this and you're going to hurt their feelings? You never know. I don't know. I don't want to. I don't. Mm, mm. Okay. Who is I don't want to get into it. Whoa. Does that mean it's a basketball person or an ESPN person that you know? Maybe. Maybe. Oh, I'm intrigued. <laughs> yeah, I'll leave it up to the, I'll leave it to the imagination. But everything you said is is 100% right about the album and 
I wonder what she does next. Okay, so she did this really different album. Does she continue to kind of go down this path and be a little bit more indie than she's ever been? Or does she go back to being the major pop star that she is? I wonder what her sort of next path in life is. And by the way, you're talking about her voice. The problem is, especially on the, on the Exile track, when you hear Boney Bear's voice come in, like that low, incredible tone to his voice, that is a straight voice as a 10 guy. Voice as a 10. Okay, so when I first opened the album, and saw that she did a song with Boney Vera. I was like, oh, sis, no, what are you doing? That would be like me. <laughs> You're getting yourself in trouble here. Yeah. That, that would be me trying to do a show with Bob Costas. Okay. I know that it's not going to end well for me. Right. You're going to expose yourself. Yeah. He's, he's going to expose me. And I thought, is she going to be able to hang with Boney Vera in the song? And she did. She sounded great. I actually I like her part. I like her part in that song better than Boney Bear. Who am I, Steve? Steve, who am I? I haven't traveled in eight months. I'm saying I like Taylor Swift. I don't even know who I am anymore. No, but quarantine has changed me and I hate myself. Well, quarantine clearly changed Taylor Swift too. So she, maybe she changed you both for the better. That's what I would read into that is that she has, you know, this is unlike anything she's ever done. And you don't like anything that she's ever done. So you guys have both come together in your disdain for quarantine. Well, you asked me what her next move is, and I think there's only one answer, Steve, retirement. No, no, you can't. You can't. I mean, He's got to go out on top. Nothing is going to beat this. Nothing is going to top this, ever. Yeah, but nobody ever goes out on top. I mean, other than like John Elway. Tony La Russa, he retired after he won the World Series of the Cardinals in 2011. All right. There are very few exceptions that prove the Peyton rule. Manning. But how many musicians? Peyton Manning. Oh, name, name a musician that goes out on top. Name one. They always have shitty albums later in life. And I'm not saying her next album is going to be shitty, but like, yeah, you're right. This is going to be a tough one to top. Yeah, but normally most musicians have their best album early, right? Like Incubus, yep. Make Yourself as their first album, right? Anything they put out you after You love that. Incubus. I'm so confused about that. <laughs> anyway, I'm not anti-Incubus. I just don't know why you love them so much. I mean, I'm not like an Incubus stan, but I did just see them recently. They came through St. Louis on their 20-year anniversary tour of Make Yourself. So I got to see them live play that album from front to back, and it was amazing. But that's their first album, right? And it was outstanding. Nothing's going to top that. I feel like most people come in, and their best album is their first one because it's the thing that sets them apart and makes them famous. Mm -hmm. It's rare that their best album, I mean, what is this, her like seventh album? I mean, God, maybe it's like her 14th. I don't even know. But she's been in our consciousness for that long and for this to be the best thing she's done, I don't know. I'm probably nervous. Michelle, I always think about this, how hard it is for musicians to, you're right, because their first album is usually, they're either like going through a breakup or something traumatic has happened in their life. And that's what makes them able to write this incredible piece of art or album. For example, like Hozier, he wrote in his first album, which is one of my favorite albums of the last decade. It's amazing. So it's about basically him recovering from, I believe, being a heroin addict. Uh, or some like he was he was addicted to something and like it's about him getting over that and that's how emotional and great the album is like how do you ever top that you can't be an addict again and then write another album about that because you've already done it and you've already gone through that pain in your life taylor swift's ability to continually write really meaningful songs is maybe one of the most underrated things about her because like yeah she writes catchy things and i guess she has a lot of pop hits or whatever but the sheer number of not only like bangers but incredible lyrically great songs that she puts out because instagram captions there's instagram captions galore on this album i'm just so impressed that you can do that over and over and over again and write impactful pieces of music that are emotional multiple times because you're right the first time you usually do it or after a breakup it's really easy but then what do you do when you're happy that's always amazed me with musicians is how do you write a really good album when everything in your life is going great yeah do you need the pain to create the art 
Yeah, you do. I kind of think you do sometimes. Yeah, that's a great question. I'm trying to think of a happy album that I truly love. Again, Frank Ocean. We know I love Frank Ocean. He's a great storyteller too. Amazing storyteller. But a lot of his songs are about pain and finding yourself mm-hmm. and, and different things. I'm trying to think of a great, happy album I love. John Mayer did a good job of that too. John Mayer and Taylor Swift actually have a lot of parallels in that they write about really emotional breakups and it's like a high volume because you could really say John Mayer is like the male version of Taylor Swift. If you don't like Taylor Swift for writing too many songs about breakups, then you can't like John Mayer. Of course, we would take any musical conversation, Steve, and I would bring it to Frank Ocean and you would bring it to John Mayer. Yeah, we're very predictable. Sorry. God, we are. Okay, so we need to end this, but I will say this confession. I will repeat, folklore is amazing. Kudos to Taylor. Shouts out. I'm glad you're on the right side of history on this one. Can you imagine if I came on here and I was like, folklore, terrible. Actually, not that great. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know know what? I'm going to zag on this one. It's not that good. I'm not Skip Bayless with the LeBron hate. You know what I mean? I'm not going to just continue to beat a dead horse. I want to like her. I don't want to dislike her. Hold on. Are there people in the music industry? Is there like a Skip Bayless of the music industry who just zags on every take? And is like, you know what? Everyone loves this. I'm going to go on and say I hate it. There has to be, right? What's the first take of of musical shows too? There has to be a first take of music shows or podcasts. Should we start that? I don't want to be that guy. I like what I like and I don't like what I don't like. When I give you an opinion, it's not because I think I'm trying to buck the trend or go the opposite way. Like I truly believe that. So I could never do that. Me either. And that's why when people would be like, oh, you're just hating on Taylor Swift. I'm like, look at me. I am built to like her. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I, I don't want to dislike her. I love a powerful female singer. I don't want to dislike her, but I also cannot... To me, she was just like the Pinterest version of any song, right? It's like the bride tease that a bridesmaid's party wears. I'm just so played out for me. That basic. Type of Use the term. Basic. It's basic. She was just yeah. too basic for me and I was over it. Okay. But speaking of celebrities, Steve, speaking yeah, of Taylor Swift this. and celebrities, I had texted this to you and this is what we want to end the pod with this week. I had seen this game going around on social media and I thought, Steve and I know each other really well. So this might be fun to see how well we know each other, okay? So let me pull up the text that I sent you. I'm going to read it to everybody so that we can get it exactly right so we know the parameters that we're working with, okay? Gosh, I text you a lot. All right, here it is. This was a challenge that was going around on Twitter. It says, list five famous people you've either met or have been within a few feet of, but one is a lie. Then you let your friends guess which is the lie. I love this. Mine are so random and I, I didn't use any ones that I, that had to do anything to do with us working at ESPN. Like if somebody came in through a car wash, like I'm not gonna say Rick Ross or Jake Gyllenhaal because that's too obvious. These are all people that I have met outside of our cool work related things. And I have no idea if you're going to get mine right. I don't know. Maybe you will. Maybe you'll think it's really easy and maybe you won't, but mine are five completely random people. Okay. So mine are all in one genre. Cause I thought that might be harder for you to discern. It will be. Yeah. Okay. So you want me to go first then? Yeah. Yeah. You go first. I think yours might be more interesting since it's random. And I think coming off Taylor Swift, because she actually inspired my list, I should go first. Okay, so I went, Steve, powerhouse female musicians. Okay, okay. so I'm going to give you a list of I, five. By the way, really quick, I love that you have, you've probably met so many people in passing, because that's just what you do. You rub elbows a lot. <laughs> that, you, that you could literally do a genre of this competition. You could, you could be like, all right, this is my actor's one. This is my musician's one. This is my I author's know. one. Like, it's insane. That. That's so very you and so very on brand, but I love it. But I mean, our jobs have given us access to these people, right? It's not like I'm running into them at the grocery store. I, it's because of our job primarily. Yeah. But, okay, we talked about Taylor Swift. 
amazing country artist. So I'm going to start with a country artist. Okay. I'm going to list to you, Steve, five female singers and you tell me who's the lie. Okay. Kelsey Ballerini, Cher, Madonna, Lady Gaga, or Beyonce. Who is the lie? Kelsey Ballerini, Cher, Lady Gaga, Beyonce, and who? Madonna. Oh my God. Those are like big names. Big names. And I tried to go in different genres too. I, I sprinkled in a little country, a little classic pop here. Kelsey Ballerini, Cher, Madonna, Lady Gaga, Beyonce. Who's the lie? So Kelsey Ballerini is by far the least famous one here. So but I, I wanted to shake it up in different genres because all of them are kind of similar. So I wanted to shake it up a little. That's why I included Not her. only have you done categories, you've done genres, you've done sub subcategories <laughs> of genres. This is amazing. Wow, because Madonna and Cher and Beyonce are like freaking icons. I mean, I mean Lady Gaga's pretty Lady Gaga? <laughs> Lady Gaga's pretty damn close. Although I would say she's in a different tier. And Kelsey Ballerini, like no disrespect to her, but she's, you know, she's way off the pace. But because of that, I'm going to say, I think Kelsey Ballerini's real because she's the least famous one. And I think that's reasonable. When would you have ever been near Beyonce? But then again, when would you have ever been near Madonna? <laughs> I, no, okay. I know, Lady, I know Lady Gaga's real. That's right. I know that one's real because you have a picture of it on Instagram. I believe you told me about it. You, you guys talked when you were at the Super Bowl that one year. So I know that's real. I'm going to say Kelsey Ballerini's real. So that's between Lady Gaga. I'm sorry. That's between Beyonce, Cher, and Madonna. I mean, total crapshoot. I'm going to say, how is it? How, where did you meet Beyonce? I'm going to say Beyonce. Final answer. Beyonce is final, the lie. Final answer. Beyonce is the lie. Uh, wrong. So the parameters of the game were that you either had to meet them or be within a few feet of them. So let's run through the list. Kelsey Ballerini, I met this year, actually, at a Nashville Predators game. I was there for work. We had a suite with a bunch of people from work. She was there. We hung out. I took a picture with her. I never posted it on Instagram, so I thought you might think that was the lie. But she's awesome, by the way. She's so funny. She is so cool. I was like, should I move to Nashville and we should be yes. best friends? Well, my logic, by the way, in that, I think checks out. She's the least famous one. And I feel like that was the most attainable one for you to have met somewhere or whatever. So I kind of felt like that was an obvious one. Yes. Lady Gaga, AKA my close personal friend, Stephanie. Yes, yeah. I had met her at the Super Bowl. She gave me a side hug. We talked on the field before her iconic Super Bowl halftime performance. I'm so proud of her for her Oscar-worthy performance. <laughs> What's like a proud mom. A star is born. A star is born. Yeah, I can't on. even remember it. Come on. Uh, yeah, I am like a proud mom. But Lady Gaga, we know. Okay. Madonna, I actually was in an elevator with. Wow. A Super Bowl. So I believe it was the Super Bowl. I can't remember which one. Whatever she performed at the halftime. Was it Indy or New Orleans? Either way. I was doing the show. We had a rental car that was parked in the garage of the convention center where Radio Row was. I had run down under the tunnel to get in the car to change for something. I had gone back to this elevator. I went up a floor. The doors opened. All of a sudden, a bunch of security people rush in, and Madonna comes in the elevator because they had to take her back up so that she could do her press conference for the Super Bowl. And I was in the elevator with her. I was, you know, we didn't speak, obviously. She's so tiny and she has alabaster skin and her arms are shredded. shredded. I could see that. I could see I that. I couldn't believe how fit she was and how pristine her skin was. And the other one that I have been near is Beyonce. Where? Same 
same scenario. Elevator? Another elevator? Not another elevator. Okay. This was this was not a Solange, Jay-Z, Beyonce elevator, standard hotel situation. This was at the Super Bowl when she performed at the Super Bowl. Again, I can't remember if it was Indy or New Orleans, but she had to go for her presser. And right where I was standing, she came through with her mom, Tina Knowles, and Beyonce came to the barricade where I was and started taking selfies with fans. I have a picture. I was like, Tina Knowles, Mama Knowles, I want a selfie with you. And so I have a selfie with Tina Knowles. And we took a picture and Beyonce's in the background. And we all know my obsession with Beyonce. And I was too nervous to ask Beyonce for a selfie. And then she got whisked away to do a press conference. But I was like, Beyonce's mom, good enough for me. And then the lie is Cher. I love Cher. Cher is an icon. She is a legend. I've been to a Cher concert, but I have never been within a few feet of her. I should have known, first off, three out of your five are Super Bowl related, which is hilarious. I should have, I should have weeded out the Super Bowl related guests because I did know that the three of them performed in Super Bowls. And I figured Kelsey Ballerini you had met because she's not that famous. I mean, she's very <laughs> famous, but she's not as famous as the other ones. Now that you think of it, Cher was, I should have picked Cher. That's, that's, that's bad on me. But yeah. damn, I was trying to figure out Beyonce. I feel like if you had met Beyonce, you would have told me, but you didn't really meet her. You met her mom. But I was within a few feet of her. It was. It counts. It counts. I did have an entirely other list that included Barack Obama, Bernie Mac, and Cedric the Entertainer, all three of which I've met at one event. Like, actually met and have photos. Again, rubs elbows with people. (laughs) Enough to have different subgenres of famous people that she's rubbed elbows with. Good times. All right, your turn. You're up. Okay. I have no idea if this is going to be hard or not, but mine are not in any particular category. There are just five people that I may or may not have met. Okay, or on. have been in the vicinity of. Ready? Let me, let me get my pen. Go for it. Venus Williams, Colin Farrell, Allie Raceman, Dave Grohl, and Angelina Jolie. Okay. So we've got Venus Williams, Colin Farrell, Allie Raceman, Dave Grohl, Angelina Jolie. Yep. Well, I know Allie Raceman is real because you sat behind her at a Celtics game. Accurate. I told you that. Okay, that's I good remember call. that. I remember that. He was with Colton Underwood, by the way, the Bachelor. They were sitting. We were sitting on the floor, NBD, and they were right near us. And because I know her, I didn't know who the I didn't know who Colton Underwood was at all. And my my wife was like, "Oh my god, that's the Bachelor guy." I was like, "Who? Who's the guy sitting next to Allie Raceman? What? What are we talking about?" And right. uh, yeah, so we didn't actually talk to them. I'm kind of mad because we probably could have talked to them, but I was too afraid. Of any celebrity on your list, she slash him is the most approachable. <laughs> probably, but I don't know. I was, in, I was too wrapped up in Magic Celtics at the time. Understandable, Steve. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and say Colin Farrell is real. Wrong. Colin Farrell is the one guy that I have not met. I just love Colin Farrell and I threw him on the list and I would have loved to meet Colin Farrell. Wait. Okay, you've met Angelina Jolie. I thought that was the lie. So I have not met Angelina Jolie, but this is a this is a great story. So the yeah. year, year was two thousand nine. <laughs> 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 I was I was studying in Washington D.C. This is back when uh, a young Saruti thought he wanted to get into politics. LOL. I was walking near the Department of the Interior with some friends, and I had noticed that there was like this huge commotion, a bunch of cameras around, and they had closed off the street. And we started asking people around what was going on. And this guy was like, we're shooting a new movie. We're shooting a movie. Would you like to be an extra in it? We need people. We need people that look like students. We need people that just look like they're on the streets of DC. So like we had nothing going on. So we were like, yeah, hell yeah, I'll be an extra. This is awesome. Who's in the movie? They didn't really tell us anything. So we were like, okay, we don't really know, but we'll just stand here and try to look like we're not you know, standing out of place. A couple of minutes later, they get ready. They move the cars around. They move everybody back into their scenes. They yell action. And we happen to be right at the corner of the street 
that they were filming that the main actress was going to run out to. And all of a sudden, Angelina Jolie and a bunch of cameras come running right by us. We were literally extras in an Angelina Jolie movie. Do you remember the movie Salt? I don't. Not a super memorable movie. Don't worry <laughs> about it. Um, but your boy may or may not be in that movie as an extra. And that was the time when I was wow. like probably less than 10 feet away from Angelina Jolie. Steve, we've been friends for years. How have I not known that you had a taste of stardom and that you were in Salt? Yeah, it's funny. That movie came out like a year or so or a little over a year later. And I remember watching it, trying to like, you know, intently find out if I was in it. And I have not found myself yet, but I have faith because I mean, I was so close to her. And like, I remember the scene and everything. Um, although there was like a couple different parts where that was in. So it's, it's a little bit murky, but yeah, I probably am in uh, Angelina Jolie movie. No big deal. Wow. That is super impressive. Okay, well then, how did you get near and or meet Dave Grohl? So this one might be cheap, you tell mm. me, but it's actually a really good story, which is why I put it on the list. So this was 2015, I believe. I'm a big Foo Fighters fan, for anyone who doesn't know. I love Nirvana, I love Dave Grohl, love everything they do. And back when I was working on Mike and Mike, I used to work early mornings and with our boy Ray Nancy, shouts out to Ray. Uh, you Ray. found Ray, what's up? Love uh, Ray. Mike and Mike Ray, what's up? And Apple we're, bo Ray. we're both like alt rock bands. We both like Foo Fighters and we had seen, so Foo Fighters that morning had posted, it was a Friday morning, had posted that they were doing a, it, it was basically a surprise concert um, in New York City at this super small venue. And basically you had to get in line and get tickets. You couldn't order tickets online. I think it was only a thousand people that were in there. It was right around when they came out with their documentary on HBO where they did all of their songs. I don't know if you're aware of it, but it was awesome. So I was like, I, you know, at the time, I didn't really have a lot going on. I obviously got out of work early because I was working on Mike and Mike. I was done by like noon. And I was like, Ray, should I, should I drive down to New York City and just see if I can get in? He's like, yeah, why not? So I drove down to the city. I get there. And there are thousands and thousands and thousands of people in line. It was insane. There was no way I was getting in. I got in line anyway because I was like, well, I, I came all the way down here. I can't just do this for nothing. So I started asking around. And all of a sudden, these security people come around and go, hey, all the tickets were given out hours ago. You guys should go home. And I was like, ah, damn it. All right. Well, I guess I wasted my time. So I went on Craigslist really quick on my phone in the streets of New York City. And I looked up to see if anybody was selling any tickets. And turns out there was one guy who I reached out to. And he was like, yeah, I got one ticket. Meet me here to get the ticket. How much are you willing to spend? And I was like, I don't know, man. Like, what do you want it for? He was like, $1,000. I was like, okay, dude, relax. I'm not doing this. That's insane. He's like, all right, well, I have somebody else ready. Then whatever, don't worry. So I was like, all right, dude, I'm not paying $1,000. I'll just go home. A couple minutes later, he hits me back and goes, uh, actually, just meet me here. 200 bucks. Is that cool? And I was like, yes. All right, I'll do it for 200 bucks. He went from 1,000 to 200. Because there's no way he had another guy. He didn't have another guy. He was just trying to get $1,000 on me. Sure. So I meet this guy at a random place, like right outside the venue. And it was like probably, I don't know, an hour before they were going on. Give him the 200 bucks. So how it worked is you got in line and you got a bracelet and that bracelet allowed you to get in and one other person to get in. He didn't have a plus one. So I was going to be this guy's plus one. And you got to enter the venue by the, the order that you got there. And it turns out this guy was the first guy in line. He was the number one person. So I got in first. So I was front row at a Dave Grohl Foo Fighters concert in New York City, where I was about two feet away from Dave Grohl as he was for three hours. He played a three hour set. I was two feet away from Dave Grohl as he played this incredible set in New York City, all on a chance, all on a whim of me going to New York City just to happen to get in line and go see this concert. So it's a little bit cheap because it was a concert, but the, I just feel like the circumstances of it were so ridiculous that I was literally two feet away from Dave Grohl for three hours. You know what? It's cheap, but I'll allow it because it's such a great story. And I think the moral of that great story, Steve, is trust strangers. Yeah, and trust Craigslist. Craigslist. You're going to meet a lot of nice people on Craigslist. What's up? <laughs>
Okay, well, what about Venus Williams then? Venus Williams, I met in an elevator in Charleston. That's it. I didn't meet her actually. Uh, Maddie and I were there. We were going on vacation. Charleston, by the way, South Carolina, awesome place. Would highly recommend it. We were going to this really cool bar that someone had recommended to Maddie, like super bougie. You would love it. It was on a rooftop. And there were also also like apartments, I guess, on the way up. And we get in the elevator. And I mean, it's hard to not see Venus Williams. She's like a super tall, awesome athlete. She was there with her boyfriend. So it it was Venus Williams, her boyfriend, my wife, me, and this one other random person in the elevator. And none of us acknowledged that it was Venus Williams until she got out. That's very cool. Yeah. Can I give you one more list really quickly? And we don't have to run through all of these. This was my secondary list of St. Louis celebrities. Here we go. John Hamm. Okay. He's on the list. Of course. Of course. Paul Rudd. He's from Kansas City. Oh, my bad. Yes, I've hung out with him. I've hung out. I watched, I watched the Cardinals Cubs 2015 NLDS with him, and he's awesome. Okay. Chingy, Andy Cohen, John Hamm, Ellie Kemper, or Jenna Fisher? Well, I know John Hamm. I know you've met John Hamm. Uh, repeat it again. Chingy. Chingy. Yeah. Amazing rapper. Yeah. Andy Didn't, Cohen, mastermind yep. behind Bravo. John Hamm, one of the great actors of our generation. Ellie Kemper. She's been in a lot of great things. Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, The Office. And yep. Jenna Fisher, again, Pam from The Office. I think you've been in the vicinity of or met Andy Cohen. So I'll take him and John Hamm out of there. So it's between Chingy and the two Office characters. Uh, Chingy? You think Chingy's the lie? Yeah. Wrong. Wow. You know, I underestimated it. I underestimated you and your street cred. I mean, come on. The lie is Ellie Kemper. I've never met uh, Ellie Kemper. Okay, I figured. So John Hamm, I have been around a lot because of blues hockey. Actually interviewed him before and was near him a couple other times. Yeah, I feel like you talk about him all the time. I feel like you guys are friends. So I, would, I, I immediately knew that wasn't one. I mean, we're not friends, but <laughs> I have met him several times. You, you both know who each other are. And yes, you're... You're friendly. You're friends. <laughs> um, Jenna Fisher, I met during the Stanley Cup final run. Yep. She went big to a blues game, person. Big blues. And I met her in the tunnel going down. I should have got a selfie with her. I was chatting with her. She was so sweet. And then when I walked away, I was like, damn it, Pam Beasley. I love The Office. What am I thinking? Mm-hmm. She totally would have done it. But I was just, I was like rushing to get up to the press box because I had to be there before the puck drops. So that's how much yep. I love my St. Louis Blues that I didn't even get a great selfie when I could have. Andy Cohen, I interviewed for KSDK, our local television station, before he was even a big name. I was super into the Housewives early. Season one, Real Housewives of Atlanta, I was locked in. Andy Cohen came to do a speaking engagement here at his local high school. And I saw it in the calendar, like the content calendar. I was like, who's interviewing Andy Cohen? And they're like, nobody. We're just going to talk about it on the, the notes segment. I'm like, what? I, I will do that. I go, Andy, <laughs> yeah. Andy is a star. I will go interview him. And they're like, cool, go ahead. So I wrote out all these questions. I went, I'll never forget. He was wearing a uh, velvet burgundy blazer. And I was like, oh my God, Andy, love your blazer. Love everything about you. Please hire me. I love Bravo. I will do anything for you. And then he was like, wait, you're in sports. And he goes, I have a, I have a sports question for you. And I was like, yes, I'm ready. Tell me, what is it? I thought we were going to talk about, he's a huge Cardinals fan. And he's like, do you think Mark McGuire got his eyes done? He's like, his face looks different. Do you think he got his eyes done? I was Not like, the sports question you were looking for. But also kind of in my wheelhouse. I was like, you know what? I don't know. I haven't given it a lot of thought. I will go back. I'll do some comparisons. And Andy, circle back with me. We'll talk about this later. Yeah, give me your number. Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> Personal email, address, yeah. whatever you want. And then Chingy, actually, I was at an Isaac Bruce Foundation Gala event at the Adams Mark Hotel, which hasn't been the Adams Mark for a long time, but anybody in St. Louis calls that hotel the Adams Mark Hotel. And 
I was waiting for my car down at valet and I'm standing there and I look over and there's a girl standing against a wall and her boyfriend squatting down, taking photos of her, like getting the angles clearly for Instagram or clearly to post somewhere. And I was like, Oh my God, that Instagram boyfriend looks like Chingy. And then he stood up and I was like, the Instagram boyfriend is Chingy. Chingy, super underrated when it comes to bangers too, by the way. 100%. People do not. Right there, one call call away. away, Holiday Inn. Obviously Holiday Inn, yep. But one call away is probably my favorite song he sings. So good. Pulling me back, so good. Didn't know he was a St. Louis guy though. Didn't know that. Oh yeah. Jay Kwan, also a St. Louis guy, went to my rival high school, tipsy. Everybody loves it. But I was like, you know what? Chingaling, respect. Not too big to squat down and take pictures of your girl. So Ellie Kemper, holler at me so we can and add I, you to the list. And I should have known, rappers like you. Rick Ross was a big was a big Smallman fan when he came through ESPN. <laughs> I don't know if he was a big fan. <laughs> was a huge fan of your chains. <laughs> uh, he was. I did try to swindle Rick Ross's chain. I will say this. I think when I took the picture of Rick Ross, he maybe nestled me a little bit more than he nestled the other guys. Probably. Yeah. That's a, listen, that's what rappers do. It is what it is. I mean, T.I. gave me a full on hug. I had a pineapple pin on my jacket and T.I. hugged me and he was like, you Hawaiian? (laughs) (laughs) I've told this around the pod before, but I was like, do I look Hawaiian? And he was like, you're pin. And I was like, like, nah. Oh no. I'm Midwestern. (laughs) Thanks though. Shouts out. Thanks though, T.I. Shouts out. Okay. So we didn't know each other as well as we thought. Those are hard, though. I should have known Cher. That actually makes a lot of sense. Colin Farrell, total, I mean, total wild card. I tried to fool you. Who was your most exciting celebrity sighting? Because I had one recently in New York City. Gosh, what was that, December? And I was, or I guess it was, I was there. It had to be like September, October, because we were sitting outside. And I was so stoked. And I should have used this because we, she was sitting at the table next to me. I could do an entire list of celebrities I've sat next to in restaurants in New York. So we were at Mirandi for kind of a late post-brunch snack. They have the best meatballs at Mirandi. And so we got a table outside and this girl comes walking up, woman comes walking up and she's got the chicest outfit on, but it was kind of like casual, cool. And I said to my friends, I go, that is the most beautiful woman I've ever seen in my <laughs> life. Who is that? I want to be you. And then she settles in. And she sits at the table next to us with a bunch of people. And I was like, do you guys even know who that is? And all my friends were like, no. And we live in New York and couldn't care less. I'm like, you guys, it is Sienna Miller. It was Sienna Miller. Random. She's kind of famous. I don't know. Yeah. All right. Sienna Miller. Kind like of. Sienna actress? Miller, Jude Law. I mean, one of my favorite celebrity couples of all time, Steve. I don't know. I'm not a big, I'm not really up on my Sienna guy. Miller stuff, but not going to lie. Google her. You would love her. She's no, got... She's a style icon. Oh, yeah. No, no, I know who she is. Um, but, you know, that would be a more you excited than I would be excited. She sat right next to me, and I literally was like this the entire time. If Sienna Miller sat next to me, I would not even know who it was unless someone told me. And then I'd be like, oh, that's cool. She had a tote bag that I immediately Googled and bought the tote bag. And now anytime anyone compliments me on the bag, I was like, Sienna Miller has it. <laughs> a baller move by you. Just be like, you know what? I'm going to have that. <laughs> What's up? I was like, I need, it's a burgundy leather tote bag. I was like, I have to have it. Um, I also one time sat near Julianne Moore at Barbudo, which was exciting for me because I love Julianne Moore. Love Julianne Moore. You have way more of these than I do. Is there one celebrity that you haven't met that you're dying to meet or be near? Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy. Love Tom okay. Hardy. Yep. That's a pretty good one. I'm trying to think. Okay. So you know who I would love to meet? And this is not even like a real celebrity. I would love to meet all my Bravo celebrities. 
you know? So one time, this is the most annoying story I'm ever going to tell. And you're going to hate me after I tell you this, but I'm going to say it because it's important. Fire away. So you know how I used to go into New York City every single weekend? I do. You would never stay in Connecticut ever. Never. Priscilla always used to say, what time is your train? And I'd be like, 4.15, so I got to hustle out of here. The second the show is over, Michelle was like literally on her way. She already packed her bags or in the car ready to go. I would run to my car so that I could make it to the train station on time. But one weekend I was supposed to go to New York City with my friends. It was a late summer uh, weekend. And I think we had done the fall football tour or something where I was like, I just, this weekend I'm going to stay home and chill. I'm going to organize my place, get ready for the next week. And one of my best friends calls me on Saturday night and is like, you are going to die when you find out what we're doing right now. I'm like, what? He goes, we got an invite late last night to go out to the Hamptons. So we're just like, all right, let's do it. We'll take the jitney. We'll go out for a couple of days, whatever. He goes, so we go out to the Hamptons and our friend gets invited to this party hosted by Aston Martin. I believe it was Aston yeah. Martin. Yeah, it's one of those fancy car companies or whatever. And it was kind of a dinner setup where everyone arrived via car. And then you sat and had this dinner and all the real housewives of New York City were there. And I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> It's my favorite TV show of all time. It's the best show on TV. And they were like, yeah, we're sitting with this woman, Sonia. I'm like, you're with Sonia Morgan. I was so jealous. This is another one where the entire cast could sit next to me and I'd be like, I don't know, no idea. Okay, so I interviewed Tom Sandoval for our podcast from Vanderpump Rules, St. Louis guy. He was in town. He came in studio, did an hour with me, was the best. And I got more of my friends thinking that I had made it because I interviewed Tom Sandoval than any other person I've ever interviewed. I mean, I've interviewed Tony LaRussa. I've interviewed Chris Carpenter. I've interviewed all of these people who have really, really successful lives and careers. And my friends are like, wow, you interviewed Tom Sandoval, you've made it, kid. But that's what the funny thing about you is like your friends are so different than what your career and interests are. You, oh, they couldn't care less. They couldn't care Yeah, less. like if you were like, hey, you know, I hung out with Tom Brady for the day, they'd be like, whatever. But they could, it could be like some C-list celebrity from a trash reality show. Your friends would be like, oh my God, this is unbelievable. This is the greatest day of your life. Yeah, they'd be like, you met Mimi <laughs> Leakes. I'd be like, I know you guys, I sure. know. No, seriously, if I hung out with Tom Brady, they'd go, Giselle's husband? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, see, that's anyway. anyway good times. So I want to be a celebrity bar or guest bartender on Watch What Happens Live and meet my Bravo celebrities. That's what I would want. Do you think you would be a good bartender? I was actually talking about this the other day with my wife. I think I would be a terrible bartender. You would be a terrible bartender. I would be an awesome bartender because I know how to shoot the shit. I would be invested in all their stories. I'd be like, listen, Denise, you need to leave Jeff. Okay. I'm going to pour you a vodka martini <laughs> yeah. on the house. I'm going to tell you why you need to leave Jeff and we're going to work through this. Okay. And then she, Denise is going to order three more vodka martinis. She's going to leave crying, but feeling empowered. And she's going to leave me a monster tip. Well, I'll leave it on this, but I, I actually think I might be a better bartender than you think than, than you and my wife think, because it's not that I don't like talking to complete strangers. Actually, I think talking to strangers, especially if you're a bartender is kind of easy. It's talking to people that you kind of know that's really hard because then there's pressure on you to you know, be interesting or whatever. When you're talking to a stranger at a bar, like, you know, who cares? You can just you let it fly. It doesn't really matter. So I actually think I'd be an okay bartender. I just don't have a good memory. So I probably wouldn't remember any drinks. Sorry. No, you would be an outstanding mixologist. You wouldn't speak to anyone. You would work at a place where it was like $30 a cocktail. They would all be named after John Mayer songs and they would yep. all have a heavy nutmeg scent to them. Yep. This is the come back to bed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> a, little, a little bit, a little bit of gin and no, no. Yeah. A bit of vermouth. <laughs> the bar would be called Continuum. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yep. Okay, uh, that's good. Let's wrap it up. Let's do a review, shall we? Let's do it.
So Steve, we have two reviews that I want to read this week. And I think Whoa. since we're in episode 101, we're in the next chapter of our Small Talk Lives, that we should read two reviews that are critical. One of you and one of me. I love it. I'm all for it. Because this is how we get better, right? Yeah, I don't care. Like, fire away. Okay. Steve, this one is for you from KBZ34. He says, honestly, to be honest with you, five stars. Been a fan since the post-show pod days, but honestly, to be honest with you, I hope you don't disagree. Steve, I hope you're always honest with me. Please work on the crutch. <laughs> I've told you this. I'm aware of my crutch things. It's hard to shake it. To be honest, that's one. I still think I say like too much, which I do. What else? I know I have crutch things. You say basically a lot. Basically. Yeah, for sure. It is what it is. So, you know, I will try to be better. Sorry. Well, here's mine. <laughs> okay. It says small man's Illinois obsession. P.S. It's small man. If you're going to diss me, get it right. Yeah, okay. On, grow up, it's not, it's not a man. It's Hot start <laughs> from that guy. Hot start from you. Five stars, but it's a nice review. It says five stars as usual. However, Michelle, you need to ease it up on the Illinois takes too much. And you're right. While Steve says, honestly, too much, I am too much of a homer. I understand that this is a national yeah. podcast, actually an international podcast. Again, shout What's out up? to our friends in Japan and Australia. And I get it that I am a big time homer and that I do give Illinois probably a little too much stock. I definitely give St. Louis too much love, but hey, it's who I am, but I'll work on it. I will work on being less regional. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like that's just who you are. I make fun of you for it all the time, but like, I wouldn't expect you to change that about you. It's in your blood. It is what it is. I mean, even if you think Illinois is somehow the fourth best state in the union, which is insane, you're allowed to have that opinion. It's your podcast. So what's up? It's our podcast, Steve. It's our podcast. Honestly, Steve, it's our podcast. And we can talk about Illinois as much as we want, right? But honestly though, I don't know. <laughs> If we're being honest, though, I probably yeah. do need to work on that, yeah, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, thank you for those reviews. We do appreciate constructive criticism, especially constructive criticism that comes with a five-star review, right, Steve? Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you to everybody that sent in notes about the 100th episode. It was very cool to hear from so many people who've been on this journey with us since episode one. It's been quite a ride. We will be back in action next week, but until then, I'm a Taylor Swift fan. Welcome to the Right Side of History. Thanks for listening to Small Talk. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or the Podcast One app.